Good morning, church. You know, by now we have just completed our five days of prayer and fasting. So you should be full of muscle in the spirit and then losing some weight for your flesh, okay? Uh, we also, as a leadership team of all Every Nation churches in Malaysia, get together over the weekend and spend time together listening to Pastor Steve and Pastor Norman. Uh, we had our leadership conversion, over 300 of us, and what a great time. Uh, to be able to come together even in this season of pandemic uh, so that we are able to always be inspired and keep on growing and wanting uh, to honour God and make disciples. You know, what I like about this entire season was uh, that little title called Awesome God that puts all of us in a certain frame of thinking. So every week, uh, from a pulpit point of view and from our prayer and fasting point of view, every night, uh, we just immerse ourselves uh, about who God is, just the name of God. And especially from the pulpit, it was really literally looking at the name of God from men and women of God who encountered God in that journey. And then in that encounter, they realized that, wow, this is actually who you are. There's just another facet about you, another attributes of yours that I began to understand and experience and personally embrace it. All of us understand moments like that because when we were a child, as we grew up with our dad and mom, we begin by calling them dad and mom. But the more we grow, the more we realize there are so many facets and attributes of them. Uh, so for example, you have your mom, you may call her, mom, you're an iron chef, you're so good at cooking. Mom, you're a wonder woman because you can do so many things and, and do it so well. Uh, or you can look at your dad and say, Dad, you're such a good trainer. You're such a good teacher. You train me well and you taught me math well. You're a mathematical genius, Dad. And you begin to attach all these attributes to it. Similarly, as we kind of walk through six weeks as the names of God in this series called Awesome God, we are trying to understand how all these men kind of encountered God. In fact, I've been going around asking a lot of people, if there's one name of God you'd like to encounter this year, what would that be? And I think that's a way to kind of wrap around. I remember that two years ago or a year ago, I wanted to encounter Lord of the Harvest, which means the one that can really uh, make harvest possible, visible. And I think we have been beginning to see more and more of that. One of my desire this year is to be able to meet the Lord of multiplication. They were able to see there's a multiplication of leaders in every capacity. Now, I've used two verses last weekend to kind of help us to understand the significance of God's name. Uh, first of all, is Proverbs 28 verse 10. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it, and they are safe. So I want you to know this year, regardless of whether the MCO continues or not, regardless of every situation, I want you to run to the name of God because something about that name, the Bible says that we are safe. Then Daniel 11 verse 32 says, But the people who knows their God shall be strong and carry out great exploit. I like that verse because it talks about if you want to be strong and I know all of you want to if you want to do great exploit and I know all of you want to the Bible says that you must know your God so the more we immerse the more we meditate on who God is the more we allow we invite the names of God into our uh, scenario situations circumstances the more we get to see who God is and through our life so today we're going to talk about Jehovah Shalom. Last weekend, we talked about Jehovah, which is the first time God introduced himself through Moses, uh, to Moses. And we kind of walked through how that name of God, Jehovah, I'll be whatever I'll be, 
carried Moses through his entire ministry, so to speak, all the challenges that he faced. Uh, today, we have had extension of Jehovah because Jehovah is, I'll be whatever I'll be. We talk about Jehovah Shalom, I'll be the God of peace. And it's a different story uh, encountered by a name called Gideon and that's where we're going to focus on that story. You know, talking about peace, uh, peace is such an important factor in today's world. With the pandemic, everybody wants a sense of peace. Uh, if you were to buy a property, all the property companies sell peace. They're trying to say, if you were to live here, you have the inner tranquility, you know. In the morning, you hear the birds chipping. And so everybody sell peace because peace is sometimes a rare commodity, so to speak. Uh, but the Bible, when it talks about the Lord of Peace, is way, way, way more than really a tranquility. In fact, as we go on, you will understand the peace of God is not the absence of trouble, but it is really the presence of God. I want you to remember that little phrase, it's not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. We'll come to it shortly at the end. But I just want to lay that before you as we talk about the nation of Israel in the story that's found in the book of Judges. Let me prep you up a little bit about the book of Judges. The book of Judges is right after Moses. He passed on the baton to Joshua, conquered the promised land, posed Joshua after he passed away. And the nation of Israel was ruled by various judges. The book of Judges sort of captures uh, six to seven stories because it's a six to seven cycle of a, a situation that the nation of Israel had to face. Uh, first of all, the, the four little words that describe the cycle is sin and then slavery, supplication, and salvation. Let me repeat, sin, slavery, supplication, and salvation. They sin against God, they were put into slavery, they supplicate, they cried out upon God, then God gave them a salvation through one of the judges. So we're going to look at the one for today, uh, which is the story of Gideon. Now, it's a long story. We will only pick it up in verse 11. But let me give you the backdrop. The backdrop was because for seven years, the nation of God, I mean, the nation of Israel has sinned against God. And for seven years, they were under the rule and reign of Midianite. Midianite and Amalekites, these are the two little uh, tribes that was mentioned here. They are really like a nomadic kind of people, okay? They move around. And uh, they scourge everything that they can. And uh, Midianites goes all the way back. If you understand the map, they were really at the other far end where today Saudi Arabia is. So if you study carefully, the Bible says they, they really uh, just go through, scourge the land of Israel up to Gaza, which means that a lot of parts of Israel was really taken by them, forcing the nation of Israel to now live in mountains and caves. And the Bible says they are their stock, their sheep, their everything, their flocks, their, their grains, you know, everything was taken by Midianites whenever they come to that place, uh, forcing them to live literally uh, in the caves by the side of the mountain. Uh, what was a bit unique about Midianites is also they were really like a mob uh, kind of a strategy. So whenever they come, the Bible described that the numbers was absolutely uncountable. He says the camels, the people, uh, it was so many and there were really a lot of them. It was in that context we zoomed down, Judges chapter 6, and then all the way to verse 11 where we pick up the story of Gideon. Okay, now the Bible says, in verse 11. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebin at Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So the Bible talks about the nation of Israel. 
because they suffered under Midian, cried out before God. God sent first of all a prophet and then God sent an angel. Uh, so what was interesting is when the angel of the Lord came, he was sitting down at a terebinth tree. Uh, then the Bible tells us that Gideon, which is the son of Joash, which is a Manasseh tribe, and the clan is called Abizurite. Uh, Gideon was actually threshing out wheat in the wine press. Now, if you understand uh, geographically and also just archaeologically, culturally, uh, no one do uh, threshing out wheat at the wine press. They do threshing wheat at the threshing floor. The reason it's called threshing floor is because it's high in the mountain where there's a lot of wind. And the reason you do threshing wheat is you're trying to separate the, the grain and the chef. Uh, so what happened was, instead of being out in the open, they were at the lowest level where it's kept wine press, where people do the stepping on the wine and reproducing the wine under shade and all of that. It really tells you there was so much fear in the nation of Israel, really encapsulated by the response of Gideon. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The first thing angel of the Lord came, and says, Gideon, you are a mighty man. Uh, this is what I like about who God is. You know, God doesn't always uh, look at our bad side. Uh, the angel never came to Gideon and said, you chicken, you useless. But instead, he says, you know, mighty man of valor. And then he says, God wants to use you. Uh, you look through the Bible, God does the same thing for Peter. God does the same thing for Paul. Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. You know what was interesting was this, okay? Gideon, just like all the nation of Israel, never realized that actually it was their sin that separated them with God. And the first response as quickly as possible is to be able to blame God. Uh, but then what was interesting was God never bothered to answer that. He just said that, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the land of hand of Midian. Do I, do not I send you? You know, God immediately just framed Gideon and says, that's why I'm here because I'm going to use you to deliver the nation of Israel. You will find that throughout history, biblical history, God always acts through men. When God wanted to deliver the nation of Egypt, uh, Israel from Egypt, he came through Moses. God wanted to do something, he came through Gideon. You know, we always desire that God will do it by himself, but oftentimes God wanted to use people like you and me. But the question is this, are we available? Are we willing? All right? And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. Oh, sorry, let me just go back. I missed a verse. Verse 15, he said to him, he says, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. So he was sort of prop, him, prop himself as in he's the weakest of the weak. Uh, and, 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 and then, you know, the, uh, it kind of really tells you at that moment who Gideon is, how does he feel? He just feels absolutely uh, no confidence at all. Or he's really giving an excuse. Okay? And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianite as one man. Remember, Moses had the same conversation. God says, I will be with you. I'll go with you. And he says to him, If now I found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay with you till you return. Uh, Gideon is kind of an interesting character, really. Because throughout the Bible, the story of Gideon, he kept on asking signs. 
Uh, he asked for this sign, he asked for that sign, and, and eventually when he faced the war with the Midianites, the biggest war, the final battle, the infinity war, so to speak. And uh, he needed a sign that God is with him. So God responded, actually gave him a sign. So this is a sign. Gideon went to his house, prepared a young goat, leaven unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot. Brought them to him under the terebinth, presented to them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened, unleavened cakes or bread, put them on this rock, pour the broth over them. Kind of reminded you a picture of uh, when Elijah confronted the prophet of Baals. You know, uh, so it's the same thing. He had the cake, he had the bread, and then he put the broth. And the, and the Bible says the angel of the Lord reached out to the tip of the staff and touched it. And then immediately fire sprang up from the rock, consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished, suddenly disappeared. And potentially it was at that moment, Gideon sort of understood that is really angel of the Lord. Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Gideon said, Alas, oh dear, he says, Oh Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face, but the God said to him, but the Lord said to him, he says, Peace be unto you, do not fear, for you shall not die. I can tell you Gideon has a mixture of fear. He's fearful of the Amalekites without me needing to explain that. He's fearful of the task that God is going to give to him. And right now he's fearful because he met God. He thought he's going to die because of his unrighteousness and the righteousness of God. You know, God spoke to Gideon and he says, Peace be unto you. It was interesting uh, that God having a big task for Gideon did not say, Gideon, be courageous. But he says peace. Because there's a lot of things about the peace that really helps you to walk in a way with the Lord that brings you victory after victory. But the Lord, and, and then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. This is Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it will stand at Ophrah, which belongs to the uh, Abyssalites. Okay, Jehovah Shalom. You know, the Bible continues the story and you can go back and read about it. Armed with the peace of God, Gideon is a changed man. God asked Gideon then to do two things. The first thing was he went to his father's house. He destroyed the altar of Baals and he's also destroyed the trees, which is another altar of Asherah. And in doing that, it really tells us one thing. Before God asks us to do something external for him, it always begins with cleaning and clearing our own backyard. And that's exactly what Gideon has to do. He went to his father's house and he has to destroy all of that. That was his first task. And he did it, though it's at night because he was fearful, but the courage of him to do it is fantastic. Armed with the peace of God. Then armed with the peace of God, God told him to fight the war against the Midianites and the Amalekites. Now, let me just kind of give you a little bit of the odds that they were against in that battle. In that battle, 135,000 enemies have gathered. So he gathered the best he could, 32,000 of Israelite. Now, it's about one against maybe four, you know, four, 4.5, you know, about that. So maybe, maybe if you have good strategy, you know, all those that. Uh, but because God told, God told Gideon, he says, this is too big of an army, too big of an army for, for me, you know, and I wanted to do it so that the glory comes to me, not to the nation of Israel. So he says that too many people, he says, you need to cut. 
So 32,000, he told the people, he says, hey, you know what? Those who are fearful, you can go home. 22,000 immediately go home. Just like, hey, those who are fearful, you know, you're not called for it, no need. And boom, gone. And then left 10,000. God says, still too many. So he bring them to a brook where they drink water. And God says, reduce it to 300 men, especially the way they take the water, all right? So with 300 men, Gideon actually confronted 135,000 uh, Midianites. And the story tells us that that night, they sort of surrounded the 135,000 because they were in a valley, they were in a mountain. And God says that, would you take a pot and a horn? Wow, what a, what a strategy, right? You better have a lot of peace to do that. And then the Bible says they break the pot and they blow the horn. There was such massive confusion that happens to the camp of the Midianites that they were killing each other, or they were running for their life. And the Bible says that Midianites, they were so confused, they killed against each other. And whatever that was left over fled the nation of Israel. Think about it. You know, for Gideon to do all that God asked him to do, he better have a lot of peace, man. 300 men against 135,000. Not only he needs to have the peace, not only he needs to have peace, everybody around him needs to have peace. I want to say this, okay? Something about the peace of God. Once you have the peace of God, it's always contagious. It just moves around to everybody that's around you. And uh, in the New Testament, uh, the word peace is captured with a word called irony. Irony is really the Lord of peace, okay? And I want to give you three thoughts. To encounter Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace in the New Testament, you need to have peace with God. Number two, peace from God. And number three, peace of God. Let me just say this again. You need to have peace with God. Begins with that. You need to make peace with God. Number two, then the peace from God that girds you and guides you. And finally, is the peace of God. Let me just read Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And with that, I'm going to bring it all down with a particular story I want to tell you. The Bible says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Well, the Bible in the New Testament began to help us to understand the peace of God. It is not the absence of trouble. It is really the presence of God. You know, this pandemic, every one of us need the most is the peace of God. Because it is that peace that helps us to walk stably and securely. In the New Testament, peace simply means not fragmented, remain whole. So your whole entire world can be fragmented. Your whole entire world can collapse. But the Bible says that with the peace of God, you remain not fragmented. You think about Jesus when he went to the cross. Everything collapsed. The disciples were running away, all things he was at the cross, but he wasn't fragmented. Uh, he was a man of peace at that moment. So I want you to know that really, the concept of peace, it is not the absence of trouble, it is really the presence of God. He, Ephesians continued to say that, you know, when you put on the full armor of God, he says you put on the shoes of peace. You know why? Because when the ground that you walk on is thorny, is tough, is painful, you need that peace, the shoe of God that helps you to walk stably, concretely, solidly, trusting in God in every capacity. I have this recent story that really moves my heart. Uh, this is a story of Pastor Yaya, if you know Pastor Yaya. Uh, Pastor Yaya is a senior pastor of the church in Indonesia. 
And what happened was, last year there was a legal tussle. The legal tussle has to do with the building that they own. And they have, a, they have a kindergarten, they have a church. So it's a very messy thing. Ultimately, the kindergarten was sold or the school was sold to an, another owner who claims now the building belongs to them. Uh, very unrightly so, but because he's a senior pastor, he was then put in a spot where he has to represent the church. The person that does it was actually a general, a retired general, and knowing how Indonesian political thing goes on, he seems to be able to have a certain power, gotten the prosecutor to actually put a scare tactic to put Pastor Yaya in prison for 30 days. And uh, I will never forget uh, the many conversations that we had. But there's this one particular conversation that we had, which is a couple of days ago, where Pastor Yaya was sharing with me. He says, you know, when I reflected 2020, and then he says this, he says, you know, the most productive year for me, or the most productive month for me in 2020, was really the month <clears throat> when I was in prison. I got so many people saved. I get to preach the word of God. Uh, people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you know why? Because every night, there's a line of people waiting to meet up with Pastor Yaya. It's just a line of people. And when we begin to talk further, you know, then we realize what makes, what differentiate Pastor Yaya and the rest of them in the same environment was because he had the peace of God. He went in <clears throat> with that peace of God. In Gideon's case, the situation has not changed. The Amalekites were still there. But what has changed was his heart has changed. He met Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. It was the God of peace that helps him to walk into that prison. And with that peace, remember I said the peace of God was so contagious, which is why many of them begin to knock on his door. And he was telling me how he shared food and won their confidence and became friends with them. Until today, he gets to visit them on off just to minister and to encourage them. You know, and I finally, I asked this uh, Pastor Yaya, what was your one last word that you could say to me in your entire experience? And then he said this, which I really like it. He said this, he says, he says, Tim, I learned that when we are placed in trouble, don't avoid them, face them with God. And when you are in such a spot, do the will of God. And for him, when he was placed in that spot, the peace of God was with him and he did everything that God wanted him to do. Like I said last week, sometimes we try to box God in a box and say that because you are God, you need to do this, do this, do this. Right? I can imagine if I'm going to go to prison, I'm going to pray that God will open all prison door. I'm going to pray that God will blast open that walls of prison so that I can walk out. But it wasn't that story and he needed and it doesn't need to be because in this story, it was Jehovah Shalom that just walked with Pastor Yaya into the prison. And in fact, in that prison, the peace of God began to encapsulate in the lives of the people. And one by one, people come to know God. I want you to know peace is such a critical component in our life. I want to pray that this year, those of you who needed to encounter the peace of God and that you are able to meet Jehovah Shalom. Now, if you have not had peace with God. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. We call that prayer of surrendering, inviting Jesus into our life because that's the first thing that you need to do, peace with God. Uh, we call that a salvation prayer. I want you to pray that. Then I'm going to pray for you in general as well. All right? Let's pray. 
follow after me. Dear God, thank you for this weekend. God, in the midst of pandemic, MCO, and all the challenges in my life, I need peace. It is that peace, God kind of peace, that will help me to walk stably, confidently, securely. So right now, I invite you into my life. May the peace from God, of God, comes into my life. Thank you for loving me. Let the peace of God guides me. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I just pray for the whole church. I'm asking you, O oh God, Lord, as we talk about Jehovah Shalom, the peace of God is with every one of us. For the rest of this year, we can walk powerfully into the will of God. And that peace of God covers not only us, but our family, our friends, our colleagues, wherever we are. We bring that peace of God with us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.